gentlemen, today is a very special day for all of us involved with the RCA Victor Company. Finally, we can say so long, wax cylinders, as we move forward into a bold future. Yes, gentlemen, the new vinyl lung player, a new era in recorded music, will now commence. Agony! Morning, Mr. Sarnoff, sir! Good morning, gentlemen. Haggerty is our genius inventor. Uh, he'll tell you more. Uh, nay, show you more. And Dee uh, this here on our trolley is our new commercially available lung plane gramophone recording playing device. Now, these new vinyl discs employ a shallower, more closely spaced implementation of the large standard groove you'd be more likely to find on any of your... 78 RPM records. Uh, we, we tried and failed with the microgroove, the magnetic resolution, Hegarty, the polarity. These men are well educated, but they're not geeks. Cut the crap and show them. <laughs> Indeed, in Mr. Sarnoff, uh, uh, gentlemen, here is one of the first of what we're calling our program transcriptions. Quite a, quite a catchy name, I, I think you'll agree. Welcome to the September edition of Richard A. Usher, The Program Transcription. Hey, that's my voice. Yes, indeed. Th this fella does them all. <laughs> he tries to restage history with a little comic twist. It'll never catch on. Pardon me, sir. Uh, this is 1931, isn't it? Uh, you see, sir, uh, I've, I've got a problem. Uh, Lieutenant Colombo, LAPD, uh, now, I, I know I didn't exist back in 1931. Sergeant, make a note of that. Uh, but by the time my show has been repeated a few thousand times, it'll feel like I did. Well, it may not be the funniest sketch to open on, but you get the idea. The Richard Usher Podcast. Assorted audio antics from Larynx Productions. Written and presented by Richard Usher. Welcome to the Richard Usher podcast for September. And yes, I know it's probably October by now. I've been busy, OK? It was either work on some sketches for nothing or getting paid to sing nursery rhymes and play a Nazi scientist. Not in the same production, I hasten to add. Anyway, the opening sketch refers to the 17th of September in 1931, when the first LP record was demonstrated by the RCA Victor Company. You'll hear more recreations of historic events as the show goes along. This month it's mostly about drunken cab drivers, bacteria and the shape of things to come. You have been warned. Afternoon, Squire. Lovely day. By George, yes. A wonderful day to be alive and visiting such a marvellous emporium of the written word. I, I take it you're here to purchase a book, Squire. Uh, Shakespearean sonnets, is it, sir? Uh, the collected works of Mr Dickens, perhaps? Uh, by no means. I have become rather keen on this new genre of science fiction. Reprawling adventures set in future states, time machines, and invaders from Mars. 
No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. I love it, do you hear? Love it! You certainly are very enthusiastic, sir. Uh, that's a quote from that book by Mr. Wells, isn't it? Ah, yes. I'd very much like to obtain a copy of his latest work, The Shape of Things to Come. It's all about this diplomat who dies, leaves behind a book of dream visions he has experienced, featuring details of events that will occur on Earth for the next 200 years. I'm told he may predict another conflict in Europe, and something called climate change. Oh, all a bit fanciful for my taste, Squire. I mean, give him his due, he can write a good yarn. But if you want the future writ large, you should buy this book by Frobisher Plenty. More realism, I'm told. The bloody awful state of things to come. Unusual title. Does this Frobisher Plenty predict, say... A wireless wrist communication device. Giant silver men serving the great and good as butlers. Uh, not really, sir. Half a dozen more wars on the cards. Uh, loads of new diseases pop up, most of them incurable. And then there's political scandals, more of them than you can shake a stick at. Social unrest, housing shortages, recessions, strikes galore. Terrorism, the rich growing richer, the poor growing poorer. And you're sure this chap isn't a front for some unfinished Dickens novel? I know what you mean, Squire. He makes loads of predictions. Any more than old Wells. There's going to be something called social media. People doing stuff with tablets or something. Uh, reality television. Arguments about immigration, votes to join a European community, then votes to leave it. Oh, and the Great British Bake Off moves to a different channel. Golly, sounds thoroughly depressing. September 2nd, 1666. A fateful night in London town. Oh, nice bit of bread making, done and dusted. A man who prides himself on never having a soggy bottom, is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. Drop a vino while the old oven warms up. <laughs> oh, bugger. The biggest housewarming party is just getting started. Epic story of a night London would never forget. Mr. Pips! Uh, Mr. Pips! What is it that excites you so, Jane? Disturbing our rest when Mrs. Pips and I are abed? This had better be important or we shall be severely vexed. Take a look out at the window, Kismet, sir. My God, Jane! Call 999 at once and instruct all three of them to bring buckets of water. Brad Pitt 
as Samuel Pepys, Jeff Goldblum as the Fire Chief, Harry Styles as Charles II, and introducing Paul Hollywood as the Baker. Great Fire 66, a Michael Bay film. A couple of twistery trips back in time there. First to the 1st of September 1933 and the publication of the H.G. Wells novel The Shape of Things to Come. And of course the last item just speaks for itself really. One man who often tries to embrace change, that or smother it with a pillow, is that master of mirth, Ben Bernard. Blog off Ben Bernard. Fair play. Funfairs. Never was anything so badly named. <laughs> I've taken refuge in here, playing the uh, two-pence cascade machines. Supposed to be doing another spot on stage for this pride event. It's not good for me health, or my self-esteem. Backstage in the, uh, the porter cabin that they've got as a dressing room, you need a respirator to survive the onslaught of talc hairspray and the clouds of glitter. Ooh, drag queens. They're not funny, are they? Sharp-tongued lot. Hey, no double entendres, thank you. If I catch one of them, I'll whip it out straight away. The light-rejected panto dame, some of them. It's, it must be sort of therapy for them, being unkind to folks. Well, one of them asked me if I was a drag king. Cheeky beggar. Said I had feminine eyelashes and thought I must be female on account of my moves. In the crowd at these events, so much colour, my corneas are aching. Everyone's dolled up to the nines, all the latest fashions on display, most of it slim fit and getting caked in muck from milling around in a muddy field. <laughs> What's wrong with a stout pair of Millet's walking boots? some khaki crag-upper slacks and a decent canvas walking hat. They need to have a word with these gender-fluid types. All these millennials, they'll ruin their wardrobes, they'll pay out a fortune in dry-cleaning and, and they'll probably catch a chill. It was different in my day. There was proper demarcation. If you wanted to go to a festival, he joined up with the Hippie Brigade and uh, went off for some music on the Isle of Wight. If you wanted to wear nice tops, you went to a nightclub or wandered around Carnaby Street. And if you wanted to subject yourself to the funfair experience, you fought the crowds in the stall-lined byways of Hull Fair or the Nottingham Goose Fair. But mind you, in gay parlance these days, uh, Hooker Duck and the Tunnel of Love probably have an entirely different meaning. No goldfish involved, though. I, I remember wandering about the fairground at the Bag of Pennies, or perhaps uh, having to go on the shooting gallery, maybe a ride on the ghost train, and then a toffee apple and a bag of greasy chips from Bob Carlers. <laughs> of course, you avoided the waltzes and anything whizzy and spinny, unless you wanted a second helping of chips. I always kept a paper cone handy if I went on those particular rides. All in all, I, I, I like the idea of these pride things. It's a lovely atmosphere and, 
and all to be applauded. Well, except maybe for some of the drag queens. Where's Larry Grayson when you need him, eh? Fair Play was written, performed, edited and produced by Richard Usher. Blog Off Ben Bernard is a Larynx production. <laughs> You're listening to Richard A. Usher, the podcast. A late September edition that will hopefully bring a smile to your face as we enter the autumn months. No idea why I'm being so poetic about it. Now, on the 10th of September 1897, George Smith, a London cab driver, became the first person to be arrested and charged for drunk driving at the Marlborough Street Police Court. And who, pray, is this dishevelled wretch standing before the court? I reckon that's the court usher, my lord. Right scrappy is. I've had him in my cab once or twice. <laughs> the accused will remain silent until called to give evidence or examine witnesses, as you appear to be defending yourself. Mr. Terutson, pray continue. The accused is Mr. George Smith, aged 25, of Portnall Road, Harrow Road. He was charged by the police with being drunk in charge of a motor car of which he was the licensed driver. Licensed, eh? Makes me sound like a publican. Drunk in charge of a mobile pub. <laughs> Police Constable Russell. G47C Russell, constable for the patrol of and at and with your service, Governor. You have stated that at a quarter to one in the morning in question, you saw the accused in Bond Street in charge of a motor car, a four-wheeled electric cab. Yes, the vehicle suddenly swerved from one side of the road to the other and ran across the footway and coming into an affray-style conflict and conclusion with the environs of 165 New Bond Street, a break in the water pipe in the beating of the window. Ooh, capital offence. Hang him. <laughs> Damage the beating of the window. Blimey. Hardly Jack the Ripper, am I, eh? <laughs> Mr Smith, I will not tell you again. Thinking that the driver was unable to manage the vehicle, I asked him to get down from the box. In finding that he was drunk, I took him to Vine Street Police Station. He then denied being drunk and the divisional surgeon was sent for, uh, who certified that he was drunk. Uh, the accused, that is, not the surgeon. How fast was I going? I should think about eight miles an hour. At the time... I was going up an incline and could not have been going six miles an hour. Hey. The fastest these cars can travel is eight miles an hour. Objection, Your Honour. The accused is being clever and showing total disregard for his class. Sir, you are not charged with driving furiously, but with being drunk. What about that? I have nothing to say. I admit having had two or three glasses of beer. I'm very sorry. And so you should be. Here. Yeah. Sorry it wasn't five or six. <laughs> You've seen the state of some of my affairs. 
blimey. Turn your hair white with stress it would. And the state of the roads. Look, it's the first time I've been charged with drunk in charge of a cab. Um, you do appear to have been charged here. In these earlier cases from Scotland Yard, uh, charged with being drunk. Hmm. Yeah, but that was not when in charge of a cab. I'm not usually that daft. Daft enough to get collared anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> you motor car drivers ought to be very careful, for if anything happens to you, well, the police have a very happy knack of stopping a runaway horse. But to stop a motor is a very different thing. There will be a fine of 20 shillings. Here, Your Honour, uh, this sketch is almost word for word the same as the write-up in this article from the Morning Post. Shh. Do you want to give the game away? Breach of copyright and revealing podcast secrets? Find 20 pounds. What a state this place is in. Calls himself a scientist, does he? Hm. I've seen better hygiene standards at the sewer works. Gotta have words with my sister Ada about this. Got you a job with the doctor chappy, she says. Wants a cleaner a couple of times a week, she says. Never said anything about him living in a midden, did she? No. Get these things cleared up first. They don't ask Pong. Oh dear. Oh dear, dear. Oh, oh, Mrs. Hogwash. I'm really so sorry to leave you with all this mess. You must think me a dreadful soul. My only excuse is that I've been working night and day to come up with something to solve the great ills that mankind is heir to. A thousand apologies. Well, Mr. Fleming, I cannot deny that this isn't the neatest study I've ever cleaned. But really, two bob for this amount of work. And when you look at this, all this stuffed cockeye on these here plates, that'll take some elbow grease and no mistake. Staffel? Uh, uh, madam, do you by any chance know anyone in the staff of Imperial College or anyone connected with British medical research? As a matter of fact, I don't. I don't go out much. Just the bingo once a week and a glass of mild down the old hand of bracket at the weekend. Then, then madam, um, uh, please accept this cheque for £100 and, and leave the cleaning of this mess to me and, and enjoy yourself at the bingo. What? And leave you with all this bacteria hanging about? <laughs> oh, indeed. Uh, please do not concern yourself with such things. Uh, besides... I'm sure it won't do me any harm. <laughs> On the contrary, I-, I have a feeling it'll do me the power of good. And that trip back to the 30th of September 1928 and the discovery of penicillin by Alexander Fleming just about wraps things up for this edition of the Richard Usher podcast. I'll leave you with one last bit of twistery from the 18th of September 1879 and the first time the legendary Blackpool Illuminations were switched on. Cheerio. Right, Ron. I think that's the last of the little blighters installed. 
Oh, righto. Are you sure we got them all? Um, we look pretty deft if we missed one when the mayor flicks the switch tonight. You look pretty daft regardless, mate. <laughs> nah, come on, mate. It'll take a little bleeding day to count them up again. How many are there supposed to be? About 13,000. Oh, I'm looking for some. Tell you what, I'll make a start now. You pack up the cart and then drive it down the far end and start counting them up from there. We should meet in the middle. We'll get it done in half the time. Righto. One. Two. Three. Four. Eight thousand nine hundred and four. Go back, ladies. Eight what for line? 8,905. 30,000. You have been enduring the award-avoiding Richard Usher podcast. Written, performed, edited, and produced by Richard Usher. Jazz comedy theme courtesy of bensound.com. The Richard Usher podcast is a larynx production. <laughs>